It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This is Lighthouse Faith Podcast, moving forward in truth and love. I'm Lauren Green, Chief Religion Correspondent for Fox News Channel and author of the book Lighthouse Faith. On December 21st, 2020, two planets align that give us a rare glimpse of what the Star of Bethlehem may have looked like. Well, Jupiter and Saturn will form a conjunction that hasn't been seen since the early 13th century. And I say what the star may have looked like because there has been a great deal of mystery and speculation um, and controversy really surrounding the heavenly body mentioned in the Gospel of Matthew that led the wise men to a little baby born in Bethlehem who Christians worship as Jesus Christ. What was it? A comet, a supernova, a falling star? Or was it what 16th century German scientist Johannes Kepler believed was the alignment of three planets, Jupiter, Saturn, and Venus? But Rick Larson believes the star to be something even more compelling than what scientists have discovered. And the clues are found in the Bible itself, just like this one, like Psalm 19, which says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. Now, through his research, Larson produced a documentary called Star of Bethlehem, which you can find more about on his website, BethlehemStar.com. But before you do, hear from the man himself, and he joins me now. Welcome, Rick. Hey, Lauren. Good to be back with you. Well, it is wonderful to talk with you. Um, I watched the documentary, and it's been out for a few years, but I just watched it over the weekend, and boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, was I blown away. Um, I like to hear that. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally blown away. Um, and what surprises me, you're not a, an astrophysicist. You're not an astronomer. Mm-hmm. You're not even an astronomer. No, you're a lawyer. How right. is a lawyer so knowledgeable now about the Star of Bethlehem? You know, you hear this whole phrase, it's almost hackneyed, that God works in strange ways. Listen to this one. Um, It happened because of yard decorations for Christmas. Let me tell a brief story. We had this young man in our neighborhood. He was an entrepreneurial sort, high schooler. He had a great idea about how to make some money. Uh, He thought the whole neighborhood, my neighborhood has, you know, a few dozen homes in it, that um, we should all have the same yard decorations come Christmas. So, uh, he came to, he went to every house and he showed him a book. We're supposed to pick an image that would come back as a plywood um, set up in the yard. He would put it up in the yard, light it, take it down in the off season, bring it back next year. We would pay him some dollars. Anyway, it was a clever idea. And yeah, sounds like uh, a nice moneymaker. Yeah, well, yeah, not only that, it was, it, I really am not against the idea because it did work in our neighborhood because everyone did it and it did light up the neighborhood and people did come in from outside neighborhoods and drive slow and have fun looking out their windows, frost, frosty windows when it was cold. But the trouble is, um, not the idea itself, but the, the the images. What was chosen as the theme was uh, cartoon characters, Disney-esque style characters, bunnies carrying presents and the like. And uh, I'm a deeply committed Christian. And, you know, I, I didn't want to be a curmudgeon or anything, but I just couldn't go there. I thought that Christmas was about Christ. 
So I declined and boy, did that backfire. Lauren, this is, it was, okay, so imagine all these cars driving through the neighborhood and there were lots of them. And they get to the little Larson home and it's the only one that's dark, you know, and the kiddies are looking out the window and they say, oh, look, daddy, this is where the atheist lives. You know, I <laughs> thought you were an atheist. Or something. Yeah, that's what, that's what I thought because I had no money in my yard, right? Anyway, if I'd had EUR, I would have been all right, but I didn't. So um, that stung. And we didn't wait a lot of, a lot of nights. Um, my daughter and I, who was about waist high at the time, ran into the garage and we made three wise men, set them up in the yard. And um, we made them out of chicken wire insides and coat them with pretty cloth. And it was a great display. But then the daughter has to ask the question that started this whole mess. <laughs> she said, Daddy, don't we have to have a star? And I said, of course. Yeah, we do. And she says, Daddy, make a star. And I said, well, of course, Daddy will make a star, honey. Um, but Daddy's a lawyer. And Daddy, Daddy's gears start turning. And he's thinking, oh, boy, you know, it's just not in me to put up something goofy. What, what was the star? If I'm going to make one, yeah. what did it do? What did it look like? How long did it last? Did it move? Was it an angel? Was it the Shekinah glory of God? Was it a myth created by the early church? Just wanted to get it as close to right as I could. So I began researching it, and the rest is sort of history. Wow. Uh, um, it took over. Um, Lauren, it did. I mean, it... <laughs> I did the research and viewed from the outside, if you, um, if you believe in God, you would recognize what I was doing is one thing. If you were not a believer, you would say, well, that guy, he's, he's got a compulsion. He's got, you know, OCD here you know, or something. Um, but if you're a believer and you look at my behavior every night going out on the deck, looking at my computer, looking at the sky, studying astronomy software, reading, et cetera, et cetera, you would say, well, no, he's got a calling. And I will say it was never a burden, but the amount of time I put in was pretty crazy. But um, the result was a presentation on the Star of Bethlehem. And so, yes, Marion, my daughter, got her star, um, but I also got, I guess, a ministry. I didn't look for it, didn't really want it, to tell you the truth. Very, very busy already, didn't need more things on my plate. But as soon as I presented it to a few groups, I got requests from a lot of groups and pretty soon I was going crisscross across the U.S. Uh, and then, you know, don't want to take up too much time for the story, but believe it or not, I got asked to go to the University of Pristina at Kosovo on an academic exchange right after the great conflict there. It was like, wasn't after, it was during. Mm -hmm. um, I remember when the guy called me up and he talked and talked, didn't know what he was getting to. And then suddenly he asked me to do that. And I said, Kosovo? I mean, aren't they killing people in Kosovo? And he said, well, not not everyone. Um, and so I, I, I went over there and did that and wound up going to Slovakia and Albania and then also been to, you know, Italy and China. And it's just nuts. So we needed a movie. And then that's how we, you, we wound up with the movie that you've just looked at. So the short answer, I mean, like, I know we're going to get into the, more of the details, but the short answer, what was the Star of Bethlehem? You know, I wish I could give you a short answer, but if I just say one word, it will be so misleading. Let me give a medium-length answer. Okay. Um, Matthew is the set of clues. There aren't any others, period. 
So it's people, the, 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 because the star of Bethlehem is only in the Gospel of Matthew. That is correct. Matthew and Luke are the two nativity stories, those two birth stories of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, Mark and, and, and John do not have birth stories for Jesus. So your only Gospels that actually tell the birth stories are Matthew and Luke. And only in Matthew is there a star. That's correct. Now, there, the star, I believe, is mentioned in other uh, portions of Scripture, including the Old Testament, but that's a little off point. But, but, this, but the facts of the star are only dropped in Matthew. And it's my, you know, nearly everything in the night sky has been described as the star of Bethlehem. That, I mean, people, it's a great mystery, Lauren. Who can resist? If you don't, everyone likes to look up. A lot of people have telescopes. Lots of kids hear this story. The star is the most recognizable symbol of Christian apart from the cross, Christianity rather. I mean, it's celebrated all over the world. So, of course, everyone wants to know what was the star. Um, So the main problem I found as a researcher, uh, remember the OCD part, you know, I'm a lawyer. Uh, I've looked at everything. When I began, I I had no library on the star. Now I have probably everything that has ever been published on it. Um, and the the web, when I began the research, was covered up with mostly rubbish. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's full of stuff that's based a lot on what, what I've researched. Anyway, um, so I was had to comb Matthew. I thought Matthew's the key. The reason everything's been proposed as the stars because they're not looking at the source, not closely. Mm-hmm. So I did as best I could. Um I combed Matthew, fine tooth comb, you know, like you, you get the fleas off your cat with, right? Yeah. Any, anyway, so, and I found nine um, characteristics of the biblical star. And being a Bible believing Christian, uh, you know, for me, if I find something cool in the sky, but it only matches eight of the clues from Matthew, well, it's cool, but it's not the star. Yeah. What were the nine clues then? Okay. The, let me give you a few. Um, I could give you all of them, but it wouldn't, it's better to see, uh, in the film, but, um, okay, let's, uh, take the most obvious first three. Um, when the Magi arrive, um, in Jerusalem hunting the baby, they ask this pregnant question. They say, where is he who has been born King of the Jews? So whatever they saw in the sky indicated to them birth kingship and some tie to the Jewish people. So, and these are likely uh, uh, magi from, uh, we know they're from the east, from from Babylon in all likelihood. Um, They've traveled, no one knows how, horses, camels, on foot, no one knows their route, probably the Fertile Crescent, but we don't know. So they saw this far in the east and they traveled for, again, how could we know how long it took? But anyway, no fewer than weeks and perhaps even a couple of months. Maybe they weren't in a hurry. I don't know. Um, so they arrived there. And so this star has been in the sky for that length of time. So it has to have endured over time. That's a fourth clue. One of the, one of the nine points. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the hidden clues is kind of cool. And that is that when, uh, Herod heard the story from the wise men about the star, yeah. he, he, he didn't know when it had occurred. He had to ask. Now, that's a clue in a big, hidden sort of way, because it was something in the night sky that may have been impressive, but until you heard the explanation, you didn't send people to kill babies in, in, in Bethlehem. Right, right. Um, so that's another of the clues. Um, um, so anyway, they're, they, they add up to all nine, and I could do that with the, the final one, the impossible one that blows everybody's out 
of the water when you're trying to do this as a scientific investigation is the star said to stop over the place where the child was. And, and when I'm researching that, you know, I'm an academic. I, I teach law mm-hmm. uh, and, and practice law. And, and it's not going to play for me in a university context, which is where I teach, to you know, wave my hands or do a little tap dance. I mean, I can't explain away something that sounds perfectly impossible. But as I, as I worked through it, I realized, wait a minute. I've got that problem upside down. It's, the problem is not that stars can't stop. The problem is that all stars are always stopped. To the eye of a human observer, nothing moves up there. Everything moves at the speed of the hour hand of your watch. You can't see it. Right. So what possibly can have fit that description? Well, as it turns out, as they explain in the movie, sure enough, the star of Bethlehem, the major player in that series of events described by Matthew, the, the largest planet in the, in the solar system, Jupiter, did indeed stop over the little town of Bethlehem. If you were traveling from Jerusalem toward Bethlehem in uh, the morning hours, there it was. You know, in the, they, they would see it there in the sky. And, you know, the Magi are said to have been jazzed when they saw it. Even though they've been more or less following these phenomenon for probably for weeks or months, when they saw that it went, went into what astronomers call retrograde, where it stops in its travel through the solar system, and it was right over Bethlehem as they were riding down there to find the kid, uh, they shouted. You know, it was party time for them. It was confirmation for them. Um, I want to take a break right now here on the Lighthouse Faith podcast, but I want to get to this idea of of astronomy and astrology and how different they are and how you were led to be okay with astrology, which today is kind of like new agey kind of stuff. But we'll, we'll take a break right now on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. We'll be right back with Rick Larson talking about the Star of Bethlehem. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear Podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, we are back with Rick Larson, who um, is really an authority on the Star of Bethlehem from a real biblical point of view and a scientific point of view. And one of the things, the clues you were looking at are the Magi. And a lot of people are trying to figure out, you know, who were the Magi? And like you say in the film, um, The Star of Bethlehem, no one really knows if there were three uh, wise men. We only know that there were three gifts. So it could have been, you know, more than one. Could have been two, there could have been 12. We don't know. All that we know is that there are three gifts. But who were they? And what does that bode for the idea of astrology versus astronomy? Uh, uh, Rick, talk about that. I'd be glad to. Um, first, my, my best, it's not quite a guess, a little more educated than a guess, but no one knows, so I'll still call it a guess. Uh, in, in all likelihood, the Magi came from Babylon. In all likelihood, it's even possible that they were, in some sense, a, a remnant from the Jewish diaspora that were taken to Babylon 500 years earlier mm-hmm. um, because they were obviously looking for things Jewish in the sky, which is a very strange thing to do um, in Babylon. But they did it, didn't they? Anyway, um, 
the the best information that I have, the best hints about I have about who they are is from a contemporary literature, and that would be Philo, uh, who wrote back in in the same general period of time. And Philo does mention, and Philo is a Jew, so he was living in Alexandria, but he was a Jew, and it's. Um, it's rare for Jewish people to praise the wisdom of anyone, any other group. At that time, that was just not done. Yet, he ta- Philo talks about a school of Magi in the East, which makes sense because he was in, you know, in Egypt himself. Um, and that Eastern school he praised as really understanding the natural order and having the ability to explain the natural order to others. So to me, that a good word for them might be proto-scientist from our point of view today. Um, and they were teachers. That's interesting as well. Um, as to how many, you're right. No one knows. I'm betting, uh, wouldn't surprise me if three is the right number. Probably a retinue, though, going with them. It's a long trip. Um, so they were, in my estimate, very likely astrologers. But that is like saying they are also the first astronomers because they were the people who were looking at the sky, trying to understand the movement of the stars and planets, which they thought of as stars. Um, But that's not what the Bible goes for. Uh, The Bible does not hold forth that astrology is uh, a reasonable faith, say, call Mm -hmm. it that. Because astrology is the idea that what happens in the sky, the movement of the planets and stars, controls what happens here on Earth. Mm The Bible doesn't hold with that at all. the Bible does say, however, right in Genesis, that the stars are put there for signs. So here's the difference that people need to remember between astronomy and signs that God puts in the sky and astrology. Think of it as a thermometer distinction. Um, a thermometer can tell you if it's hot or cold, but it can't make you hot or cold because it's not an active agent. Right. That's that's how the star how the Bible views the stars. So astrology would say that well the stars can make you do things, but the Bible says no no, but the stars can tell you things. And um, and God Himself says that uh, Jesus says there there will be signs in the sun moon and stars. I mean you're going to contest that. Um, so it is okay to look at the sky to see what God may be saying. It is not okay to worship the stars. Or, or, or to order your life around what you think they're telling you to do uh, or making you do or, or, or giving you a personality or any such thing. That's not biblical at all. In fact, astrology was a killing offense in the Old Testament. Wow. Um, Johannes Kepler, he is really the brains that we refer to when we understand the movement of the stars. He was able to, in the... 17th century, early 17th century, um, mathematically show the motion of the stars. And they're very exact. Um, how exact are they? Oh, boy. That's what a story that is. Uh, well, first, the short answer, um, just like a clock, like an atomic clock. They are incredibly regular. Uh, but first, let me give some credit to, to Kepler's boss. He was a young man, uh, Kepler, in his 20s. Austrian, uh, but he went to work for um, Tycho uh, Bray, who was the imperial uh, astronomer at that time. And he was a fat, hard partying Danish nobleman. Uh, and he wanted to, he liked his position and he kept, he was maybe one of the, well, he was notable for having kept it 
huge library of observations. That's what astronomers call that night's uh, sights, and they make careful notes and record things. But he held that pretty close to his chest, that information, when he had Kepler come in. And boy, they were at odds. They were totally different kinds of people. Like I said, you know, Tycho was, uh, he was a bit of a wild man, mm-hmm. you know, um, but uh, Kepler was not. Um, finally, Tycho died of a urinary tract problem, and uh, that left uh, Kepler with his huge library to work from, Tycho's library. And that's when Kepler was able to puzzle out the three laws of planetary motion. He finally had access to enough data to find the mathematical ca- uh, equations that fit the data. Um, basically, he discovered elliptical orbits. That was really the key part of what he puzzled through. Um, so uh, Kepler is the guy, yes, who found out, realized um, that the solar system is like a great clock. Mm. Uh, and once you understand the math, you can predict or go rec- retrograde. You can go look in the past to incredible accuracy, exactly what the stars and planets looked like at any point in time in history, past or future, from viewing from any place on the Earth or anywhere else. Because and it's you, not just a few hundred years ago. We're talking about thousands of years ago. You can but that's cake. That's a piece of cake with Kepler's math. Um, and, and Newton added something he called perturbations. Let's just call them fine corrections. Um, that have to do with the planets and, uh, pulling on one another, gravitational fields. But when you add all that into the math and put that all into software, today you get the most amazing thing to me that anyone can access a computer model of the universe that will animate the skies in real time right there on your laptop or your iPad or whatever it is you use. And so you can explore the skies, which is what it made it possible for me to go back in time and seek a phenomena, and for actually they are phenomena, plural, that fit Matthew's description. And let me just say something nice about Matthew, because <laughs> Matthew was obviously, uh, well, let's just say tedious. I mean, if you look at his genealogy, I mean, the guy was very into fine detail. Right. Um, and he did the same thing with the star. I'm not at all sure how much he knew about the star. Maybe he'd heard a lot of stories. Maybe he'd spoken with the Magi. I don't know. But what he wrote down, though no scientist, amazingly, perfectly matches phenomena that we find in the sky. Nine points. Fine points. I mean, it's, it, it blew me away. It blew me away. One of the keys, though, that I think that that a lot of people have called controversial, and and which is why a lot of scientists and astronomers have missed this as they use those programs, is yeah. the key is when did Herod die? Bam. That is the key. Bam. Totally correct. Yeah. And, and that's a long story, too. And it's a scholastic scholar's story. And I'll try to cut all that stuff out for your, your listeners just to give the bottom line. The, the absolutely the mainline thinking and position uh, up until even today, although it's changing, is that Herod died in 4 BC. And, and that dating is based primarily on the writings of uh, Josephus. Right. Um, to try to cut to the chase here, how best to do it. Um, well, let's do it this way. There was another investigator who probably had the same kind of bug that I have. 
and, and he he went through. He decided, you know, since that's the key thing, what Josephus Josephus stated, I'm going to go look at the original manuscripts of Josephus instead of reading what other people's written about him. So he did that, and he he looked at all of the uh, the easily accessible, which really means eighty um, percent of them, maybe ninety. Uh, and he found that every seem, single existing manuscript of Josephus dating before 1544 is consistent with Herod having died in 1 BC. Wow. Basically, some kind of copying error as we were moving into the printed age occurred. And so if you look, if you assume that Herod died in 4, obviously Herod was alive when Jesus was killed. I mean, excuse me, the babies were killed, right? I mean, so Herod was there. He was an actor on the scene. So if he died in four, then Jesus had to have been born before that, you know, five, seven, what, you know, in that area. Okay. But if Herod died in one BC, then you're free to look in the years of two and three BC. Now, let me just say, Kepler looked in the years before four, because Kepler was victim of this error. Mm-hmm. And so his things that he found in the sky were, you know, of some interest, but in nothing that got anyone excited. I don't think he did write two books on it. He was, he really wanted to see, he would have killed to see what we can see today on our laptops, yeah. you know? Uh, but when you, when you're free to look in two and three, that's when suddenly, oh, the sky explodes and it all fits. And you see the brightest star anyone alive had ever seen. That was the star of Bethlehem. And, and doesn't it was an alignment of what planets? What? How did it come about? Yeah. Um, well, again, it's a long story, and I'm I'm going to tell you. No, I'll hint, and then I'll come back. They, we have to. They need to get the film because it really does explain a lot more. Yeah, I agree. Right. I agree. Let me let me. They won't ruin the film for them because it's it's complex enough that people need to hear it more than once. Anyway. Uh, Okay, well, the bright the brightest star is a conjunction of Jupiter and Venus. Jupiter is the largest planet in the universe, long known as the king star or the father star. Venus is the brightest uh, planet in our solar system, uh, often um, thought of as um, the mother star. So you have the father and the mother coming together. It's out in itself a sort of pregnant. But the way they became the brightest star is that they came had a had a close approach visually. It's optical, of course. But, but to our viewing point on Earth, they appeared to stack like a figure eight. But they came so close that they could not be separated by the naked eye. So they became a single star, the brightest star anyone alive had ever seen. And that's not just an assertion, that's mathematical. So, in fact, nobody alive today, you haven't, Lauren, no one alive today has seen a star as bright as that one. Are you saying uh, that that conjunction between Jupiter and Venus had never happened before? No, it's never happened since. No, the, the the solar system is like a great clock, and many things recur over periods of time that can be calculated. Uh, so that no, that conjunction may have happened before. It, it's that's the closest it's been in any period of time that I have been able to determine. So, in other words, in fact, I shot you a picture. I, I sent you a picture of uh, Jupiter and Venus were relatively close together, just to give you an idea of what it might have looked like. But they weren't very close, as you saw in that picture I sent, I hope. Anyway, but it was still beautiful, still interesting. Um, yeah, right. Um, but no, this this approach was so close, that's what makes it rare. But it's also made very unusual because it's a part of a longer story, including all nine points. 
Um, and when you stack all those things together, it's that suite of events that you're just not going to find another time, especially not when they come at the beginning of the life of a man who claims to be the Messiah. And then, and here's the, let me, I, I know we're coming uh, long on time. So let me just drop one bomb. You know, the biggest, most moving thing to me in all of this was not that Matthew got all the nine points right. It was the discovery that the star of Bethlehem is the beginning of a celestial poem that begins at Christ's birth, but ends at his execution on the cross. And when I saw that, when I saw that poem play out, as people will see in the film, I know exactly what happened to me. Because I, I, uh, it, it, I almost get chills whenever I think of it. I looked to the sky. I was out, out of doors. My cheeks were wet. And I said, facing up, my God, what did you do? Because it, it's poetry of terrible beauty. And it it's really is um, fantastic. And I found it is quite moved as well because, and I want to tell people just a little bit about, because the constellations in the sky, um, you know, ancients have known about, and you can see them with your with apps on your phone, but it's the constellations that provide this, oh my God moment when you really look mm. at this Jupiter, which is the king star which mm. is in the constellation of Judah, I mean, of, Surah, of Lion, of, of yeah, Leo. Yes. Yeah. And Leo is the sign of the tribe of Judah. And it's yep. the tribe of Judah that Jesus is descended from. You've got the king tribe, you've got the lion, you've got the constellation of Leo, and you've got the Jupiter, the king star. But uh, it gets more, way Lauren. There. And they're... It, this is what blows my mind, and it carries on through uh, the rest of the film. And um, Rick, I'm, I'm so sorry we've just kind of run out of time, but I want I knew it. people to check out the <laughs> website, BethlehemStar.com, and also uh, either download, I don't know if you can download the, the film, but or just go get the DVD of the Star um, of Bethlehem. Both. You can get the film through Star Bethlehem, uh, hello, BethlehemStar.com, or it's also available on um, Apple and Amazon and, you know, Hulu and all that stuff too. Great. Rick Larson, thank you so much for being on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. My joy. And ours too. Um, And thank you so much uh, for listening to Lighthouse Faith Podcast. I'm Lauren Green. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.